Hey, well, welcome, you guys. Thank you for being part of today. Thank you for uh, coming in. Welcome to those of you that are watching online. Um, thank you for tuning in to us. And then for those of you that are sitting outside, a little chilly outside, I, I, uh, I, I am glad of your bravery on that one. But uh, thank you for being part of you guys inside, too. So thank you. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's really good to see you. It's really good to have you all here. Um, we are talking about moving forward with my life uh, because it's really easy to get stuck in life, isn't it? I mean, it seems like for 18 months or almost two years now, our lives were put on hold and we got stuck in all kinds of weird, goofy, crazy ways. And, and it's time to get unstuck. And it's time to move forward. And it's trying to, to move forward the right way. And, and the problem is, is what's the right way? You know, what, how can I make these years, my time, this life count? I mean, nobody wants to say, wow, I've lived my life and I look back, it's been kind of nothing to it. And so we want to look at the right way to do it, especially how our lives count. Jesus said this, and he made some pretty strong statements, and this is profound. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose their soul? Now that's a question, okay? He's asking a question, and, and he wants us to answer that. Um, what, what if, you know, what if I have everything, everything, all my ambitions that I would want, but I, but I lose the very most important thing in my life, you know? What good is that? What, what does that do? Um, and that means I might think that I'm winning, but I'm actually what? I'm losing this whole thing, which is a little freaky, you know, to say that I've, I've, I've won in this area of my life, but completely missed it. In another, or to put it another way, to save my life, my real life, I have to lose the right to my world. This is what Jesus is saying. To gain real life, I mean, to gain really what life is, my real life, I have to lose the right, my rights, to the world that I kind of want to construct and create around myself. Does that make sense? You know, the world that we, we would like, like to, to, to build. And that's a huge principle in our walking with God, in our walking in this world and, and life and, and making meaning out of anything and moving forward. I mean, it's, 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 it's major. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about, if I can. So let's take a moment and pray together. Lord, I thank you now for these moments. And God, I pray that you would just bless um, this time and help us to grow. Help me to say the right things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about um, what that looked like in someone's life. And that someone is actually named Jonah in the Bible. I guess everybody knows Jonah. He's the guy who got swallowed by a what? By a whale or a big fish, all that one. And, I want, and sometimes I think, what do, what do I have in common with that guy, you know? What in the world do I have in common with, with Jonah? I, I mean, really, he got swallowed. He got eaten by a fish, and I ate a tuna fish salad yesterday. You know, it's like, I, I really can't relate to a guy who lived way back then and, and lived a whole different life. But actually, there's a ton more to the story that relates to you and would also relate to me. Um, he's called for God's purpose, and so are we. Um, he's kind of stubborn, and we're kind of like that. He kind of wants to follow God, but on his own terms. And we're kind of like that too, aren't we? And his self-will gets in the way, and mine does too. And all of a sudden, I find, apart from the fish thing, um, I got a lot in common with this guy. And, and I find that actually Jonah, and, and when you look into this one, he's kind of like a high-control person, 
you know. I won't use the term control freak because we don't like that, so I'll just use the term high control person um, on that one. Any of you like that? Any of you high control people, you know? No one wants to admit this one. No one likes to admit being a control freak, um, and no one will admit to it at all. I discovered a very high complex scientific test, though, that determines whether or not you're a control freak, okay? And it's based on one question. One question, all right? When someone puts stuff in your dishwasher, do they do it wrong, okay? <laughs> That will determine whether you're a control freak or not, okay? And y'all know what I'm talking about on this, this one. And, and, and you have to admit that, that wanting to be in control of our lives and having the world our way dominates a large part of our lives. I mean, it, it's something that plagues us. It's kind of part of it. And, it. and it can mess a lot of things up, can't it? I mean, can it? It just can kind of goof things up in all kinds of different ways. Now, now, I'm going to do some reading, and we're just going to kind of walk through the, the little bit of the first part of the story. And, and we're going to, to kind of hear how Jonah does life his own way, okay, and wants to create his own world, and just listen to the control that he has. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. Okay, we're going to do a little bit of map work here on this one because this is kind of important. Jonah's here. Go ahead and hit the... Jonah is here, right there, seeing that little red dot. And God asked him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is right over here. Go ahead, the next one, Nineveh. Okay, he doesn't want to go there, so he goes to Tarshish, which is right here. Okay, there you go. This is where he wants to go. He wants to go to Tarshish, okay? The Bible says this. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and, sell, and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. This is the beginning of Jonah's not-so-excellent adventure here. And the weather started getting rough, and the tiny ship was tossed, you know. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And this wasn't a little Gilligan's Island kind of a boat. It was a lot bigger than that. It was a cargo ship. And how bad was it? It says, all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Okay? Sailors did two things. It says, first of all, they tossed the cargo over, and the second is, they cried to their own God. The second part's going to come back again. But Jonah had gone down below deck, where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and will not perish. But the storm kept going and going and going. <clears throat> then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. And these sailors, they rolled dice. They figured someone had jinxed them, you know, so they were going to figure out which one it is, you know. They cast lots, and sure enough, <laughs> the lot fell on Jonah. <laughs> And they began to fire questions at him. Here it goes. Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? Jonah answers, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. <clears throat> the sailors would worship the God Poseidon, and he's just the one in charge of the sea. Jonah reveals I worship the Lord who made the sea and everything in it. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. 
I, I just can't imagine. Hi, I'm Jonah. I'm running away from the Lord. You know, hi, I'm Jonah. <laughs> the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah answers, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. They didn't want to kill him. They just didn't want to do that. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And the, the term row means to dig in, and they are digging in for all they've got. The storm just gets worse and worse, and they cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O oh Lord, have done as you pleased. And they took Jonah, and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. That's wild. I always imagine if that storm was, if the story was today, you're on an airplane at 35,000 feet, and it hits turbulence over the speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten your seatbelt sign, and with the passenger in 26C, please come to the forward exit. You know, it's like, yeah, that's weird. It's a weird story. The wind just stopped. I mean, it just stopped, just calmed down. Clouds opened up. The water became smooth. It, it, just, it just stopped there. I don't know if you ever heard the poem Invictus. Invictus was written a number of years ago. It's it's like always read at graduations, and it's this you know dig deep into your soul, you know, and and do it. This awesome thing that makes us want to go out and conquer <clears throat> goes like this. And, and and you've heard some of the terms. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. There it is. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. And then the famous line, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged the punishments, the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the what? The captain of my soul. And the first time I heard that, it was like eighth grade graduation, I think, and I was sitting there with a clip-on tie, and I thought, whoa, that's cool, and we like that, you know. I mean, I mean, this is just like the, you know. And then I think, like, I mean, I, I, like an eighth grade kid who, really, with a clip on tie, has no idea what life's all about. But I kind of, I kind of like the, you know, the, 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 the head is bloody but unbowed. I'm not going to give in to anything, you know. I can conquer the world with my clip on tie. And Jonah is like this control freak who wants life to go his own way. And when Jonah goes down to the harbor and listen to the control he has. He finds the ship. The language is he paid the fare. Actually, it's he paid her fare, meaning he paid the fare of the ship. Basically, he said to the captain, I want to go to Tarshish. How much is it going to cost? And he said, well, you know, your ticket's 500 bucks, but we still got some more cargo to load on. We need to get a few more passengers. And Jonah says, how much will it cost to get this ship moving like right now? Like, I don't know, $20,000. And Jonah writes a check for $20,000. Basically, he bought the ship, bought the passageway for the whole ship. And he says, okay, let's go. He paid for it. He's trying to control his own life. And it's this weird illusion of control, and we try and control this little world that we live in, you know? We try and make control, and, and I understand it because we like things in control, but we try and control so much. And... So he goes down, and this is why he's able to go down to the cabin and take a nap. You know, I've got my world under control. I'm master of my fate and captain of my soul. Jonah's ship, it's Jonah's trip. 
The problem is, is God's storm. And I think that's why control is such an illusion, because at some point, something will hit us that we have absolutely no control over. No control over in our lives, in our world. Something that's too big for us. I'm, I'm, I'm reading um, the book by C.S. Lewis called The Problem of Pain. You know, The Problem of Pain. And it's a great book, you know, um, a little heavy um, for me, but he talks about how sometimes God has to shake up our complacent control lives by sometimes bringing in challenging problems for us in order to help change us and move us and mold us and then make us to learn to be more dependent upon him. Um, there's a great statement he makes, and he says this, um, quote, when we say we have all we want, it's a terrible saying when all does not include God. Isn't that profound? I've got everything I want. What a terrible saying that is when all does not include God. The very God who's the source of our lives and who made us and made everything. God is part of my life. Then I can, and this is what Jesus said, I can have the world, but I can actually have nothing. Nothing at all. Now, does God send all the storms that come into our lives? No, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. We've got to understand that. But he uses every storm, and he will use every storm. And God will be true to the promise to make you fully you. And, 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 and here's a straight statement. My life becomes full when it is fully God's. In fact, my life only becomes full when it is fully God's. That's the only way any of our lives can be ever be made fully full, is when they become completely God's. And he designs us not to have self-sufficiency in ourselves, but in him. And he will be true to the promise to make you fully you. And he will use everything at his disposal for that. Jesus is trying to say to us, a life independent of God is not life. And you can't be you without it. And that's why Jesus said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, everything? You got everything, yet lose their soul. And I, and I know the storm that Jonah faced was a real storm, but it can symbolize a lot of stuff going on in our lives. And Lewis says that as long as our own life remains agreeable, we will not surrender it to him. That's just the human nature part of us. As long as my life is perfectly agreeable, I will have real difficulty surrendering it to him. And God wants me to find real life, and my will and my life become full when they are fully God's. Now, what are the downsides of a self-willed life? What are the downsides? I mean, you've got to probably give me a, a list of that. I mean, it doesn't take a theology degree on that one. I lose out. I mean, that's the question Jesus asked. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Others miss out. I mean, other people miss out because my life becomes self-willed and self-directed it can affect the lives of other people and the people around you, the ones you love the most. I ignore God. Things happen to others when I ignore God. I mean, I mean, just think about this story. Who's the rebel with a cause? Jonah, you know? Who's struggling and suffering on the ship along with him? A lot of other guys. They're not doing anything. They're just there. And this tells me that a self-willed life affects lots of people around me around you. It just will. Ego, just think of what's ego, attitude, mouth, anger, 
silent treatment affects your kids, your family, your spouse. It just affects everybody. I mean, I'm here to help other people find life, not lead them into a storm. So how do I, how do I find this life? And this is going to be pulled from the text. Remember that God is worth it, and this is the first step. And a lot of times we forget how worth it God really needs to be in our lives. This storm that, you know, it's pounding, it's raining, you know, there's wind, everything, the ship's going up and down, up and down, up and down. It says, so they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? And what is your country? And from what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Basically, everything. I, the Lord. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. And, and the question, what have you done, it's really not a question. Because they already knew that he was running away from the Lord. It's not, what have you, what have you done? It's, what have you done? You know, it's rhetorical, an exclamation. Basically, are you nuts? Are you crazy? You're walking away from God? You did that? You know, it's kind of like they're saying, Let, let's, get, let's get this straight here. The God who made the heaven and the ocean and the sea. Um, um, you serve this God. You're a servant of this God, and you ran? How could you do that? Why would you do that? Was God, like, so unkind to you in your life that you walked away from him? I mean, was he so unfair to you that you had to run? I mean, did you figure that disobedience is worth the risk? Basically, what they're saying is, Jonah, have you found something better than God that you're running to? Is there anything really that you have found in your life that's better than God? And all of a sudden, what happened on a ship in an interaction between Jonah and a bunch of freaked out sailors is really true in our lives that whenever we choose to sin or whenever we choose disobedience, basically what we're saying is, I have found something better than what? Better than God. I'm trying to create and recreate my own life. What they're saying is, is God not worth it? We forget that. The question really is, is God not worth it? Is there something better than God? Now, the, the next point really is believe that God doesn't give up on anybody. Um, it says they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And, and, and we're going to look at the fish next week um, a little bit more. And, and the question is, you know, why a fish? But that's not the right question. The question is not why a fish. The question is why anything. You know, why did God even rescue the guy? Because God doesn't give up on anyone, and He continually reaches out to people with patience and kindness and second chances. I mean, I mean, Jonah is like the ultimate rubble, and God took him to an extreme to get him to wake up. And so we're, we're going to leave Jonah inside the fish for. Um, a while. We'll pick up a story next week, okay? Let's get back onto the boat. It says, The raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord 
and made vows to him. What's really ironic about this whole thing is Jonah, in the first place, was running away because he didn't want to tell he didn't want to tell people about God. What does he end up doing? He ends up converting the whole crew. <laughs> you know, the whole crew comes to God through his uh, through his mistakes. Um, and God is always calling us to Himself, always, you know, always. And this is the great part. And maybe you're heading away from God. He knows how to bring you back. I mean, He knows. It's not an issue on how on God bringing you back, because He knows how to do that. And I think of that poem Invictus, where is this really macho line, you know? My head is bloody but unbowed. You know, isn't that cool? I thought, wow, what a cool part that is. But the last verse says, It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It's like, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. What do you mean it matters not how straight the gate? Jesus talked about straight gates, doesn't he? What do you mean it matters not how straight the gate? I think, I think that matters. Or how charged with punishments the scroll. He's talking about God's statements about my life. I think it matters a lot. To say I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul, is a closed fist shaking it at God, saying I'm the one in charge here. When you're master of your fate and captain of, this, of your own soul, we know where that leads, you know. We know where that leads. Because Jonah, for a few short minutes, was master of his fate and captain of his soul. We know where that's going to lead. If you have any doubts, ask those that are closest to you, um, what am I like when I become self-directed? What am I like when I'm trying to create my own little world around me? How does that affect you? you know, what does that do to your heart, and what does that do to your life? Honestly, and the truth on this whole thing is, is my will and my life become full when they're fully God's. That's the only way your life becomes fully yours. It's when it becomes fully God's. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up because we're going to do a song, you know, and the song is going to be cool about just kind of surrendering ourselves to God. And so take it to heart as, the, as they like, do it because I believe it's really, really true that myself, my soul really only becomes my own. It becomes really only full when it's surrendered and I'll use that word it's a good word you know and maybe you come here and your your head is bloody and you're saying it's time to bow it you know it's time to bow it down to God um, and I want to give you a chance to do that and say that God is worth it I mean God is worth it and, and maybe you're in a good spot with God right now and that's great. It's never wrong to, to, to not resurrender. Um, it's always right to surrender. And so um, as they do this song, just listen and sing and worship and bow yourself to him because Jesus and God is worth your heart and your life.
So 